Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. The Party Shots Podcast Studio is open again after a week off. I'm back in action and ready to get going as we uh, we get set for uh, the middle of summer. It's uh, of course we know what the middle of summer means to start the uh, Saratoga horse racing season. We'll talk a little bit about that in just a moment. But uh, spent when uh, we took a nice week off. I uh, spent a few days in Philadelphia visiting my mom and took in a Phillies game uh, down in uh, Philadelphia. Took my uh, uh, mom's boyfriend of the game. Uh, we saw Phillies lost to the Nationals. Uh, that makes me 0-2 on the season and seeing the Phillies in person. Uh, maybe it's a sign I should stay away <laughs> because they seem to do better when I'm not there. But uh, yeah, like I said, I spent a few days in Philly and spent the rest of the week uh, in uh, my home and uh, taking care of my dog Harper. Uh, my wife had a nice uh, visit with her mom in uh, Pennsylvania down in New York and uh, my son and a few of his friends went down to Florida to enjoy some time. And my son got to see a dramatic Phillies victory over the Miami Marlins uh, last Friday night, um, so he had a good time, and uh, so I was just getting ready to get back to the grind. We have a lot to discuss on this uh, edition of the podcast. Uh, Ken Fang of Awful Announcing will join me a little bit later. We're going to talk about Black Friday, which took place June 30th. A lot of layoffs uh, on the from the on-air personnel, including some shocking uh, ones. I think really shook the industry, shook. Uh, uh, people who watch ESPN, I was stunned by some of the uh, announcements. We'll talk about that. Uh, but first, uh, coming up after the break, it's our weekly segment of Saratoga's uh, horse racing. We get ready for another season of the uh, horse uh, horses running up at uh, the great track in Saratoga Springs. Uh, Mike McAdam will join us. and I've actually named this segment. It's called At the Track with Mac. We'll talk about the opening week of Saratoga, what we can look for, and uh, maybe some other horse racing news here. So uh, we'll take a break. We'll be back with Mike McAdam, my Gazette colleague, here on the Parting Shots Podcast. At the Track is your premier source of horse racing news and events from the daily newspaper of Saratoga Racecourse, the Daily Gazette. At the Track features racing tips, feature stories, picks by Matt Donato, Gene Kirshner, Jeff Carl, and Naira Betts. You will also get Mike McAdams' takes on the races. There are direct links to Naira Betts. You can find At the Track online at dailygazette.com slash category slash at the track. Take the Daily Gazette, the local voice of the Capital Region, along with you wherever you go. Want to win an Apple iPad? Download the app at either the Apple App Store or Google Play and enter the contest inside the app to win. Don't wait. The contest ends July 31st at midnight. The winner will be notified by the email used to enter the contest. Good luck! Hi, this is the College of St. Rose women's basketball head coach, Will Brown. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor, Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast, and it's that time of year again. It's horse racing season at Saratoga, and as we always do every year, we get ready for Saratoga. Our horse racing writer, Mike McAdam, will join us throughout the uh, meet, and uh, we have a new name for this segment, Mike. I was uh, playing around my head the other day, and I said... At the track with Mac, and I like that, so we're going to go with that. 
it rhymes, so you can't go wrong, yeah, right? Oh, yeah. So we're baptizing a new a new name today. Yeah, I get yeah, lucky. I feel like it's a momentous occasion. <laughs> I get lucky once in a while. So right, yeah. So let's uh, talk about the 155th uh, meet kicks off Thursday, and it's the usual all star cast of horses and horsemen. And how excited are you? And how excited is everybody up there at Saratoga? Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of go through the same vibe every year. I think we've probably talked about this in the past. There's like a certain rhythm to it where the, the meat approaches, and you're like, oh, here it comes. Um, and then when once it's right on top of you, you can kind of smell the, you know, the little bit of the fever going on around here with people getting fired up. I mean, today there was not very many people around. It's just the normal worker. I, it never ceases to me to amaze me when I walk in here the day before the meet, and I'm like, "Are these guys ready?" Because you're hammering, and you hear people like working on stuff. But it's kind of a little bit of reflection of the fact that they only run here for a couple months a year, and they got to move the traveling circus up from uh, New York. For, you know a relatively short period of time so they don't you know they don't other than training across the street um you know they don't use the facility for anything except this um so it, there's always like this little kind of nervous hustle and bustle the day before but uh we'll, we'll, we'll be ready for thursday yeah i mean the weather's been an issue it's been hot and you know we've had some rain are they concerned about the heat situation, especially in light of the fact we've seen, and I know it has, the heat hasn't anything to do with it, but the number of horse deaths we have so far this year. Yeah, which weren't really related to the weather or anything like that. I will say, um, you know, you have to, it, it, the air quality down at Belmont Park. I remember that was a big thing where they actually had to cancel a card, and then they canceled another one when we got hit with that second wave of um, uh, air AQI uh, issues. Which I, I would be more worried about that. I mean, they've dealt with the heat in the past. Um, I was looking at the National Weather Service not long ago, and we're going to get clobbered with rain uh, opening day and and Friday as well as what it looks like right now in Saratoga Springs. So I think that's more of an issue than anything else which could you know kill a lot of the um turf racing and and you know we're, we're gonna um probably see a lot of scratches because they gotta they're gonna have to move some turf races off onto the main track so um which is weird a, a total contrast to last year they had a historically great weather meet last year they only had to take 17 races off the turf um, for the entirety of the meet, which is, you know, if there's 40-day race meet, that's a very, very small number. And right off the rip, uh, you know, you got to imagine they're going to be taking a couple off, like, right in the first two days of this meet. So uh, those days are over from last year when they really, really, you know, really lucked out with the weather from start to finish. Yeah, a lot of the uh, pre-meet buzz has really nothing to do with the start of the, the Saratoga season, but the prospect of the 2025 Belmont Stakes being held at Saratoga because of uh, ongoing construction at Belmont. I mean, how realistic is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? Well, I, I mean, it's contingent upon where they are schedule-wise with all their construction and everything. But, I mean, I, I have a pretty strong feeling that it's going to be up here just because – if you've ever been to Belmont, you, you can probably imagine, or maybe not, even if you have been there, what, what sort of undertaking it's going to be to rip down that whole grandstand and then, you know, a smaller one from scratch. And, uh, you know, I don't know the, all the exact details of what they're doing down there um, as far as just the grandstand alone is concerned. But, man, you're talking about 
tearing something down and building it back up in in a short enough period of time to not have to leave the place um you know they they can live without fans you know there's there's rarely people you know the crowds are very small there now to begin with but belmont stakes they obviously you get fifty thousand people you're you, you can't you don't want to hold the belmont unless you can let people in there to watch it and and enjoy it and make it you know the great event that it is so that said i you know and you know i haven't seen any specific timetable of when they're going to do what but it just the just that mountain of work that it's going to wind up being to tear that thing down it, i find it hard to believe they're going to be able to turn that over to not have to make some concessions in their schedule um as far as moving the belmont and then if they do, if and when they do, who knows what that'll look like from a calendar standpoint. I mean, they'll try to run it on the same date to preserve the Triple Crown spacing. But will they, you know, be up here for a week? Will they be here for a weekend? Um, you know, you're, the logistical nightmare of having workers available to run a place for 50,000 people on a Belmont day is not an easy thing to just snap your fingers and and recreate in saratoga um you know granted they'll they'll know well ahead of time whether this is probably going to happen or not it meaning in 2025 in the lead up you know like in the springtime where they can you know have a job fair or something but i mean for uh, for a very short you know whatever it would wind up being weekend or week um you know just figuring out how to staff the grounds is is gonna be a, a major logistical headache in my opinion or you know at least my assumption um so i that that's gonna be a big hurdle and you know i think like the horsemen could pull it off i mean they're used to shipping um and they're definitely used to shipping between saratoga and belmont um both directions so i think like getting the the horses up here and, and settled in and everything. I don't know that that will be that big of an issue. I mean, obviously it's an extra, you know, thing thrown into your travel plans and your, your logistics and everything that you normally wouldn't have to do. But I mean, it, it's not going to be as easy as you say, Oh, we'll just run it at Saratoga. Uh, there's, there's a lot more behind it. That's going to make it a real challenge for a lot of people. Why not Aqueduct? I mean, is that where the... Well, they don't want to do it at Aqueduct because, again, they want it to be a a place where they can accommodate 50,000 people. And, they, you know, Aqueduct is going to be in the process of being phased out, too. So that's going to be happening in some fashion parallel to what's going on at Belmont. Um, and um, probably more than anything else, New York Racing Association is probably in love with the idea of holding a Belmont at Saratoga. They don't want to hold it at Aqueduct because it's Aqueduct and this is Saratoga. Yeah. Um, you know, just the setting alone, it, it's not even an argument. Um, so, and I think there's a little bit of PR strategy here from Naira where they, you know, they want to create this buzz and, they, you know, they're, they're all about promoting their brand um, to a large degree and, having a Belmont at Saratoga would be just such a, like an attention grabbing event historical in the sport in this country. Um, that I, they, I'm sure that that carries a lot of appeal for them to lean, you know, all the way towards Saratoga over Aqueduct. Mike McAdam joining us for our season debut of at the track with Mac, uh, previewing the Saratoga horse racing season. Bob Baffert, that name can uh, draw a lot of cringing and, <laughs> uh, you know, just 
just the fact that he, he won another triple crown race probably didn't sit well with a lot of people but I mean he's still not welcomed that the tracks owned by Churchill Downs Incorporated after his uh, suspension was recently extended through the end of uh, next year but he's eligible to run horses at Saratoga so will we see some Baffert horses at Saratoga yeah I, I mean I'm sure you know if there's big races here he's gonna want to be in him with his stuff and he still has a lot of good horses um you know might see him in the travers with something um yeah the, the thing with the whole baffert story the most recent development of churchill downs banning him for an additional year like cdi churchill downs incorporated has pulled off the like a miracle in suddenly now Baffert is being looked at as a as a victim, sort of, because this is this is sort of like unnecessary piling on. I mean, he must have really made some people mad in the front office at, at Churchill Downs with that Medina spirit thing. Like, you don't mess with the Kentucky Derby. I I, I literally wrote those words um, when I was writing a column about. Um, I think it was during the Derby this year. Um, in relation to all the penalties that they've been banging him with, the uh, Churchill Downs people. And, and, you know, Naira hit him hard, too, but, you know, his his suspension in New York at the Naira tracks expired in January, and uh, um, so there he was in the Belmont with National Treasure, who had won the Preakness and then wound up finishing third or fourth or whatever it was in, in the Belmont. Um, so he's welcome in New York. He paid his price, um, but... Churchill Downs, man, those people, they're, they're, I don't know what point they're trying to make here, but, um, I mean, I know their statement, I can read a little snippet of it, continued concerns regarding the threat to the safety and integrity of racing he poses to CDI-owned racetracks, um, and saying that he's peddling a false narrative, um, that um, Medina Spirit didn't do anything wrong or whatever they're referring to. I'm like, I, I don't think Baffert said anything about this whole issue in, in like since last year, I, who knows when, but for them to say that he continues to peddle a false narrative, um, some of, they really got it in for him. And, and again, uh, it's so weird. I almost like, you know, I almost felt like he, it, it's, easy for people not easy but it's possible for people now to almost look at him like a victim um i think you know i saw at least more than one tweet where people saying uh, or claiming that um <laughs> the, the biggest threat to to racing at churchill downs inc throwing tracks is churchill downs inc you know by uh banging Baffert like this so I mean it continues to be a messed up situation I don't know if he's gonna try any more legal legal maneuvers he, he's been shot down and every time he's tried to sue them and try to get things overturned um pretty consistently um so I don't know that he even ha really has that avenue available anymore but um in the meantime I, I you know I wasn't shocked I was just like what are they trying to do here that why don't they just ban him for life then like yeah. what what did, what What's he going to do between now and the end of next year that will change their minds if they haven't already? So, again, uh, it just seems weird for Baffert to suddenly... I mean, he played the victim at the beginning. It was one of the things that, like, I really didn't like. But now he almost seems like he is one. <laughs> so, man, crazy mixed-up world we live in. Yeah. Well, speaking of trainers, uh, Chad Brown of Mechanical Poison, another win, another training title at Saratoga. And, of course, the jockey title should be another battle. 
Yeah, I, you know, I don't expect any. You know, I don't expect anybody to really make a run at Chad Brown. I mean, the only thing that could really bring him back to the field is if we do get a lot of rain, which we didn't get last year. I know a couple of years ago he, uh, the last time Pletcher won it, I think Chad Brown. Um, suffered from a lot of rain outs, you know, turf races he was expecting to win that got rained off onto the main track and either scratched or, you know, he didn't want to run them in on a muddy track, sealed track instead of on the turf that they were meant for. So, um, so I really don't see anybody challenging him for that unless we get some really crazy weather. But, um, you know, the jockey race... You know, the the Ortiz brothers, Irad and, and Jose, let's see, Irad has won four of the last eight, Jose's won three of the last eight, and Luis Saez won um, two years ago. Um, so the two brothers have been dominating it, but it's such a deep, tough riding colony with people like um, Flavian Pratt came out here last year full-time from California because um, he, he wanted to give himself a chance to win an Eclipse Award and figured the way to do that is to run in, you know, ride in New York against the top guys. Um, so, you know, I fully expect Iran Ortiz to, to be the one to catch, but there's going to be a lot of people in a position to maybe take a little run at him, most notably his brother, Jose. Yep. Uh, finally, a star-studded cast lining up for the biggest races of the meeting, of course, includes the Whitney, Alabama, and especially the Travers, which has some added intrigue, Mike, uh, that uh, this year the three-year-old uh, male division remains wide open. Yeah, I mean, the three-year-old Philly division isn't wide open right now just because Pretty Mischievous won the um, the uh, Kentucky Oaks and the Acorn. The Acorn is sort of the equivalent of the Belmont if you look at the three big races that the three-year-old Phillies are trying to win in sequence, the Black-Eyed Susan being the other one on the, you know, the day before the Preakness. Um, so, she, you know, granted, she's won both of those races, the, the Kentucky Oaks and the um, Acorn, by pretty small margins, but she did win them. Meanwhile, in the three-year-old male division, we don't have anybody with that profile. It's just a total mishmash of everybody's won one of the big ones, but nobody's won two of the kind of big ones. <laughs> so that includes Mage, the uh, Kentucky Derby winner, who I believe is going to be up here trying to win the Travers. Um, National Treasure, I'm not sure, because Baffert's got like a pretty solid hand in this division, including Arabian Night and Arabian Lion, one of whom will be running in the Haskell. Um, probably the other one will be running up here in the Jim Dandy. I don't know, but he, he's he got a couple. Um, you know, I don't know what he's planning to do with National Treasure right now. Um, we have the Belmont winner on the grounds, Arcangelo, who's a great story because he's trained by Jenna Antonucci, who's not only the first female to ever win a, a triple crown race in North America, but, you know, she represents this, the small stables that are, you know, trying to duke it out with the super trainers these days, like Pletcher and Chad Brown and, and Baffert and those people. Uh, a couple of other, other ones I would throw in there, like Tappet Trice, who I picked in the um, Derby. Um, Disarm with, from Steve Asmussen uh, won the Matt win in Kentucky. He's supposed to go to the race. First mission, I'm, I believe, will probably be in there. He won the Lexington, scratched in the Preakness. I mean, they had a high hopes for him in the Preakness, and he got a fever, I think, a couple days before. And then Chad Brown's one good prospect that he has is Blazing Sevens, who was second in the Preakness. And then, of course, don't forget Forte. And as I wrote in my meet advance, 
Um, but the amazing trouble that horse has had all season and what a saga he's had, he could still put himself in position to sneak out this Eclipse Award at the end of the year if he wins the Travers. Forte, of course, was the morning line favorite in the Kentucky Derby. Scratched the morning of the Derby with a minor um, injury that he recovered from quickly enough to run in the Preakness, but it was mandatory 14-day vet list that he had to to sit out the Preakness, and then he came back in the Belmont and finished second to Arcangelo. He's he's a tough, tough horse. Um, so be kind of curious to see his path leading up. I don't, you know, between the Derby, or I'm sorry, the Jim Dandy and the Haskell. You know, all of these horses are going to kind of go in one direction or the other. The Haskell's a Grade One, and it's worth a million bucks. The Jim Dandy is worth significantly less, and it's a Grade Two, but. It's a race over the track, um, so if you want, if you feel like that's important, then you, maybe you want to go to the Jim Dandy instead of the Haskell. Uh, but man, it is a mess, and you know we'll start to sort it out a little bit, I think, with the Jim Dandy and the Haskell. But when we get around Travers time, I think we're going to see a pretty wide open field where um, that's going to be a real key um, moment. Uh, turning point in the season for for that three year old division male division that you know everybody pays so much attention to because of the triple crown. Well, Mike, um, a couple, couple others that I wanted to mention though. I let's not forget Cody's wish in the Whitney. Um, we've talked about him before, and of course his name's after the young man who um, wanted to meet a horse through the Make a Wish Foundation. And Cody's wishes is, is probably the best horse in training in North America right now coming off the Met Mile. Of course, he won the Forgo here last year. He won the um, Beers Cup Dirt Mile um, and most recently the Met Mile in very convincing fashion. He's going to be a great, interesting horse to see in the Whitney. Um, and a couple others I wanted to just a couple other things I wanted to mention. Um, the Shuvi and the personal Wenson for older fillies and mares on the dirt is going to be kind of an interesting division um, or a couple of series of two races because Clarier is, is uh, up here at training. She's coming off the Ogden Phipps on Belmont Day and the Apple Blossom, both victories. So she's the leader of that division, but she's going to probably go against Nest, who uh, we remember from last year sweeping the coaching club American Oaks and uh, Alabama at Saratoga to pretty much clinch the three-year-old Philly division last year. And she has not raced since the Breeders' Cup in November. She had a, she was trying to make a race in April, I think it was, and she had a fever. And so she has not raced at all. So be curious to see how she does. And then last but not least, this will clear, besides Cody's wish, who is just a heartwarming story that fans have totally embraced and probably better known than the Derby winner um, is Maple Leaf Mel owned by Bill Parcells who is just like she's five for five she's a new york bred she won twice up here she she started her career with a maiden win here and then she won the seeking the anti stakes and then she's coming off of a win in the grade three victory ride at, at belmont recently where she ran against open company you know new york breads have a tough time sometimes you know duking it out with the you know the kentucky breads and and that whole thing but um she crushed it <laughs> victory ride so she's right now she's got to be the front runner the uh, favorite for the test grade one test she'll be stepping it up in company but she has done nothing wrong everybody loves an undefeated horse they love a undefeated horse owned by 
Bill Parcells and uh, a New York bred to boot running at Saratoga. Um, so there's a lot to like about Maple Leaf Mel, plus the backstory of her name as well, named after her trainer. And, you know, we've, we've written about that. I won't get into all that detail, but that's a really cool story, too. So keep your eye on Maple Leaf Mel in the, in the uh, test. Well, Mike, appreciate a few minutes, and we look forward to doing this segment once again. And like I said, I think having a name for the segment really enhances it. Yeah, and tomorrow it's going to be at the track, Mac. Um, <laughs> can I go back? <laughs> it's raining. Well, Wednesday and Thursday, I would just, just keep in mind for your handicapping purposes, track's going to be pretty wet. Um, is what it looks like from the forecast right now, and that's how it goes. I mean, it's summer in Saratoga. Anything can happen with the weather. Yeah. All right, Mike, enjoy it, and we'll look forward to your coverage in, uh, in the print edition and, of course, online at dailygazette.com. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me, Kim. All right, coming up, uh, we'll talk about the ESPN layoffs with Ken Fang of Awful Announcing. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Hey, auto racing fans, the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest is back. Here's how to play. Pick the top five finishers in the weekly NASCAR race and get a chance to win a $50 ShopRite gift card. To play, go to dailygazette.com and click on the Auto Racing Contest banner. The Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest is run by the advertising department and not affiliated with the sports department. Hi, this is Daily Gazette opinion editor Mark Mahoney. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. And June 30th was a Black Friday for ESPN. There's a lot of uh, ESPN personalities got laid off, and they spared no uh, expense in some of the names that were let go. And to talk about that is uh, Ken Fang of uh, Awful Announcing, our go-to guy when it comes to uh, sports media. And Ken... I mean, I started vacation on June 30th, and we knew this this was coming, but I don't think we expected the number of people and the, the names that were going. When Jeff, I heard Jeff Van Gundy, I was like, my jaw dropped. Yeah. I mean, um, the names included people like uh, Susie Colbert, um, Steve Young. Those two I kind of expected, but Jeff Van Gundy, no one saw that coming. Todd McShay was another one. Uh, those names are just... My I really mind-boggling, to be honest with you. Um, granted, ESPN and Disney are saying, look, we need to cut back. Uh, we're not making as much money as we used to. But um, to take someone like Jeff Van Gundy, who has been a star on your network and a big part of your NBA coverage, um, that just shows you that nobody is really safe over at the Worldwide Leader. And that, that's kind of sad to say. Yeah, I don't want to even call him the worldwide leader anymore. Just it's a, I, I, I mean, you know, as you mentioned, Colbert, I mean, Young, I mean, we only see them half the time, half the year anyway with football. But then Jalen Rose got uh, was let go. Max Kellerman has left for the second time. Gene uh, Wojciechowski, I think, was you know, let go too. Keyshawn Johnson. I mean, Jason Fitz, the radio host. Uh, Ashley Brewer, the Sports Center anchor, which we usually see on the weekends and at night out of L.A. Uh, to me, I, I, I have to think, yeah, you're getting rid of these people. What about the, the guys, the people, the announcers that are 
getting well paid like a Stephen A. Smith, like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, who, are, you know, let's, let's be honest, they don't work the entire year for ESPN. They're working maybe four to six months out of the year. Uh, and now they, they recently signed Pat McAfee to a, a big contract. So where is it weird? It's just, I'm having a hard time understanding. Yeah, you have these big salary guys, but you're letting go some people that were very popular to your network. Yeah, I, it just goes to show that there's no rhyme or reason for it. It's just people who are counting the you know, bean counters basically um, can, they are looking at a salary. They're not looking at the person. They're not looking what they're doing. They're just trying to fill round pegs into a square hole and try to make them fit and try to make them work. And that's why we saw the names that we did. I'm sure ESPN said these are the certain people which are untouchable, like Stephen A. Smith, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman. Um, and yes, during all this, and they said there's a hiring freeze, you signed Pat McAfee. So it, you really don't know what is the true word out of ESPN in Bristol. It's just, uh, again, no rhyme or reason. Um, it, it's whoever's making the salary and accountants tried to make things work and try to uh, fit the fit the pieces to the puzzle with uh, as, it, as it seems and um, again uh, no particular uh, reason for this and, and for the people who got cut especially like Jeff Van Gundy because he is just he was just finished uh, calling the NBA finals so why why cut him you know but again um, we have no idea. David Pollack was another one from uh, College Game Day, uh, a very popular choice. Uh, some other people saying, "Why, if you cut him, why didn't you cut Desmond Howard?" So mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, I can't give you any particular. Um, I can't wrap my head around it. Uh, some good people left. Uh, hopefully, they'll be able to find new gigs, or unfortunately, they may have to find something out of the business. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see what, uh, what happens. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jeff Van Gundy had just come off calling his 17th NBA Finals, which is a record. Uh, I mean, now, obviously, the, the negotiations should be starting soon on a new deal for the NBA. I mean, does the NBA look at this and say, you got look at Disney and ESPN and say, you got rid of Jeff Van Gundy? Do we want to be part of your network? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I'm sure that the NBA is looking at this, but you have someone like a Bob Iger who is the chief executive officer of, of Disney and the head of Disney who just came back after being gone for about a year or so. I'm sure he's trying to rebuild that relationship with Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, and say, hey, look, you're still going to get quality coverage from our, our announcers. You're still going to get quality coverage from ESPN. Um, but when you lose someone like that, um, it makes you wonder uh, what what exactly is the thinking at ESPN um, who's going to replace him I have no idea is it going to be someone from in house is it going to be someone from outside and again if it's somebody from outside who gets a big salary you, it makes you wonder what exactly ESPN is thinking and what what the, the economics are because they gave a huge contract to Pat McAfee and I'm sure whoever is going to be coming in may get a bump up in pay I'm not sure um, it all depends on who they hire and who they decide to bring in to replace Jeff Van Gundy or if they just decide just to go with a two-man booth with Mark Jackson. We have no idea. See, that, that three-man booth worked perfectly. Mike Breen you know, played the straight man and you know, they just let yep. 
uh, Van Gundy and Mark Jackson just riffing. It would it would make for entertaining television, especially in the games that were blowouts. Uh, especially Van Gundy talking about Nazareth University, uh, <laughs> mater, which at the time when he was there was Nazareth College. But that, that's another story for another day. But I just I I wonder. You have management that I, I mean, I, and I'll ask you a little bit more about this regarding the New York Times and the L.A. Times in a minute. But you have management I don't think understands sports. You have they're bean counters. They're more concerned about the money cat with the money, and but they don't have. I don't think they have a feel for what. The viewers like, and especially with Van Gundy, uh, you know, Susie Culber, uh, Steve Young. I mean, I, I don't. I just think they they, they just lack a, a, a good judgment of what's going on out there. Uh, I agree. I, I, whether that the decision obviously came from up top at Disney. Um, if we're up to ESPN and their president and their management, they would keep everybody that they could. Um, Obviously, you're going to have attrition with people deciding to leave or you're going to say, hey, look, that person's not working out. We're just going to not renew their contract like with the what happened with Neil, with Neil Everett um, right the week before all the cuts came. Mm-hmm. Again, we're, uh, there, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no you try to wrap your head on, on it. You try to think why you try, you try to think what happened or. What was the thinking behind it? And there really isn't. It's just, again, you're trying to have, you, you have economics, accountants, people in the financial side of things. Uh, as I mentioned, they're trying to put uh, round pegs into square holes. They're trying to uh, do everything they can to try to um, to balance the books. And uh, whether it's going to work this time or not, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, we it, it's been interesting, Ken. We've seen about since 2013 2014 i think we've seen a whole massive round of layoffs and it happened to a network that had prided itself on never having had a layoff but uh, since then since the uh, dam broke and since that uh, we started seeing layoffs they've come pretty quick fast and furious over at the worldwide leader yeah i mean i recall back when espn2 started i i, I don't know if you were at the uh, opening night party I mean, I remember Susie Culber being there and you know, Keith Overman being the face of ESPN2 and uh, Deb Placey was known as Deb Coffin back then. I mean, I mean, I mean Susie Culber's had a great career. I mean, except for uh, yep. Fox, she's been associated with ESPN. Uh, but, but, I mean, to, to have a, her, I mean, do you consider her a pioneer? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, she went from where she went from the sidelines going to hosting an NFL studio show, um, being the face of Monday Night Football in the studio, uh, where she went from launching a network, ESPN2, to going to Fox for three years to where she is now, definitely a pioneer. And and you saw it. I saw it with a lot of the tweets and reaction. A lot of younger, young women who are in business now say that they look to Susie Colbert as the person that they aspired to be. So, yeah, she her influence is, is pretty good. She, there's a person that really wasn't controversial. There was a person that came out and did her job week in and week out. Um, you know, of course, there was that time, in the, if you remember, the book written by Jim Williams um, uh, about ESPN. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he basically uh, wrote about how Keith Olbermann uh, trashed Susie Colbert. Um, 
in a really mean way, too. He's apologized for it since, but really, to, and also what happened with Susie and Joe David. Yeah. She never really sought out the spotlight in either of those cases, but she just took the high road and did her work, and I think that's why she's admired for it, because she's not one of those hot take people. She's not one of those people who say, hey, look at me. She's not on the internet, on on um, Instagram, doing dances. She's not on TikTok doing videos, and uh, she's just one of those people who I think is, um, in this day and age, I think, I, I, say, I hate to say, one of the, uh, a dying breed who just puts her nose to the grindstone works and is really appreciated for what she does. How much does the loss of Thomas Shea hurt uh, the, the draft coverage? Because, I, I mean, I don't know how many more years uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. wants to do this, but now you lose uh, you know, what I, who I thought would probably be the uh, successor to uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. Yeah, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I think he got he, uh, when um, um, when Mel Kuyper brought in, I think his name is Mark Miller, I think it was for the draft coverage this year when Todd was out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that's the person that uh, – Mel Kuyper has basically, uh, in, in all essence, and for all intents and purposes, has said, hey, here's the guy I want to succeed me. He's never really liked Todd McShay, even though they've done shows together. But uh, again, here's a person who saw what Mel Kuyper did and said, hey, I want to be that. I aspire to be that. And it looked like, you're right, for a long time, he was going to be the uh, next person to be the person who's going to be sitting at the desk uh, on the first day of coverage, being the person who is going to be uh, handicapping all the draft picks and, uh, you know, um, assessing them. Uh, now, um, he, I, I don't know where he could go. Maybe maybe it could be DraftKings. Maybe it could be, I don't know what, uh, I don't think NFL Network has used him. They've got other people who are, who are their draft uh, experts. But, yeah, it, that was really weird. But also Todd's gone through some health issues as well. I'm not saying that's a, a reason why they decided to cut him, but he's had his health issues uh, going back to COVID. So, um, and a guy who's, uh, I mean, I necessarily wasn't a fan of his, but I appreciated the work he did. And uh, he worked very hard, also being a sideline reporter during college football games. And uh, I, I thought for sure that he was definitely going to be replacing Mel Kuyper down the line. Yeah. What about some of these other networks, like maybe like Fox or Turner? Do they look at some of these? I, mean, I, I think Jeff Van Gundy be a natural fit for Turner pairing with his brother State, Stan Van Gundy. You're gonna have, you're gonna have just a hell of a forget the game. It's just the chatter between those two will make uh, you know the game enter more entertaining than the game itself. Oh, I would I would love that. Um, it all depends on what how many years are left on Jeff Van Gundy's contract because. You know, even though they got cut, they're still going to get paid for that amount of time that the that that's left. Uh, they're not necessarily going to get that great Disney discount anymore from going to the theme parks. But uh, <laughs> um, I think that uh, depending on how many years he had left, um, he, he just may say, "Hey, look, I I don't mind sitting it out for a while and get paid to do nothing and travel and do some other things." But if he's really wanting to go back, and I've heard he wants to go back into coaching too, but I also, if he still wants to remain undefeated and be on the be on the sidelines to call games, where the logical choice would be 
to go to TNT and become an announcer and maybe call some NCAA tournament games with his brother, which is uh, something that Jeff and uh, Stan Van Gundy did along with um, Kevin Harlan and, and Dan Bonner and, and quite successfully this year. So uh, I would love to see it. It would. I think everyone wants to see that. But again, it all depends on how many years that Jeff Van Gundy had in his contract and maybe he'll decide that I like it being paid for not, not to uh, work and be on the sidelines and uh, I'll just uh, do what I want to do until until, the, uh, until I, he finds the next great game. Do you think they put Doris Burke in as the, as, as the third person in the booth with uh, Mark and uh, Mike Breen? That's the conventional wisdom, although um, there have been there has been talk that Doc Rivers, who got let go by the 76ers this season, um, uh, is a potential candidate. He, of course, he has done work for ESPN and ABC on the NBA. Remember that he was Al Michaels' partner for a couple of seasons. Um, he's a good friend of Mike Brain's. That That's a definite possibility. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure ESPN is looking at all of its uh, – eggs to see where they can put it in the basket. I would love to see Doris Burke. She deserves it. Of course, uh, uh, I like to I like to tell Rhode Island Connections. Uh, she was a Providence College basketball player and uh, still lives in Rhode Island from what I understand. And you mentioned Deb Kaufman earlier. She used to work in Providence as well. So she's very, she was popular here when she was uh, an anchor as well. So yeah, I, I would love to see Doris Burke uh, if, if they don't uh, decide to go outside with uh, Doc Rivers. Yeah. Doc Rivers would be guaranteed going past the second round if he gets to the ABC and ESPN. <laughs> Bitter Sixers fan talking here. <laughs> well, don't forget, he did win a championship with the, with the Celtics. So. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. But uh, <laughs> getting back, the one thing I, I mentioned earlier about the New York Times announcing that they're disbanding the yes. sports who aren't going to use the athletic coverage. And we you know, before that, the Los Angeles Times announced that they're basically not going to have any – uh, game stories in there because they have a three. They, they're they're moving their uh, press uh, printing, pr- uh, moving their paper being pre- uh, printed at another facility. A three p.m. deadline, which is I mean, uh, unbelievable. Uh, it's just, it seems to be the way of newspapers. But but this I mean, two major city newspapers basically, ab- in effect, abandoning sports. What does that say about the future of sports coverage in newspapers? It doesn't look good. And uh, Ken, I know that uh, you're a newspaper man uh, and, a, and a lifer of a newspaper man. And uh, I, I was on the broadcast side, but I've always appreciated uh, the, the written word on on, the, on newsprint. Uh, you know, it, where, I, where I'm from, it was the Boston Globe Sunday uh, sports section where you read those great insiders like Peter Gammons and uh, Bob Ryan and Will McDonough. You and uh, Kevin Paul DuPont, you wanted to read their insider columns of baseball, the NFL, the NBA, and the NHL, respectively. Um, I still got my marbles. I can remember all of those columns, reading them. I loved them. My dad would say, why do we need a second Sunday newspaper? We already have the Providence Journal. I go, look, Dad. And he wasn't a sports fan, so I would say, hey, look, Dad, there's some great international news coverage in the, in the Boston Globe. I'll just take the sports section. You don't have to worry about it. He goes, ah, okay, whatever. But, yeah, it, 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 it's definitely it's definitely a different day and age. And when you, we have venture capitalists and when you have all these people who are uh, these groups that are buying uh, newspapers and then cutting back on coverage – 
you mentioned the Los Angeles Times now with the deadline at 3 o'clock, and printing presses have been sold. Um, it ha- happens in the Providence Journal as well. A once great newspaper, it was bought by Gannett, and it's now not doing uh, as well. The, the sports coverage is down to like two, two or three pages. And the Los Angeles Times mentioning they're not going to do game coverage anymore. There's not going to be box scores. There's not going to be TV listings of sports. It really, it hurts. It really does. And those people who have grown up, like you and I, reading great people, Red Smith in the New York Times, George Vesey doing the the, the sign of the times, um, the uh, columns, it's, you're not going to see that anymore. And the athletic, which came in and said they wanted to get rid of and eliminate other local sports um, sections, well, they did a great job. They got rid of the New York Times. Yeah. And that's something I never thought I would say because they have some great people who have written uh, and, and people who are doing a great job now. Taylor Kepner, Tyler Kepner, who covers baseball, can be uh, given a – it's really it's really heartbreaking. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the the athletic, which has um, – which everyone thought, okay, let's see what they're going to do. But they go into a place, and another thing too, um, they're all part of our newspaper guild. The athletic is a non-union shop, so that's another issue that uh, the New York Times eliminating. Uh, I mean, they're not those writers and editors uh, have said they're going to be reassigned. We'll have to wait and see. But for them to be replaced by workers, that's that's. And um, uh, I, I, it's something that I, will others um, follow suit. They say, "Hey, well, if the athletic is around, maybe we can use them to syndicate our to, to get some syndicated stories from them." So I, I hate this. I really do, Ken. It, it, I, I'm just talking about it, and I just I got to know. I really because yeah. Me. Yeah, no. so it's all about the digital now. I mean, they, they want uh, the, the, the view, the clicks on the internet. Now, I think that's what uh, everybody's going for now. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I didn't hear all the question, but I, I got the gist of it. Uh, it. It's just, you just hate to see this, Ken, and you don't want to see this become a trend, but I certainly, certainly hope it doesn't because, uh, you know, you got good writers who are not going to be covering the Yankees and the and the and I know that the New York Times also felt that they were different. They were covering, um, they weren't necessarily doing game coverage, but they were doing other things. They were covering other sports, and you got some great storytelling out of it. And now we're not going to see that. It's going to be up to the athletic, and um, I'm just certainly really wishing that uh, we're not going to see this become another newspaper decided to pick up uh, some of the athletic and eliminate it. Other, um, other sports sections because it, 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 it's just right to the core of what we're seeing right now. Yeah. Well, Ken, appreciate you guys talking media, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Uh, obviously, there'll probably be more news down the road, uh, but I don't think this is the, the uh, end of the layouts at ESPN. Oh, absolutely not. I don't think that it, it will be, Ken. And um, you know, uh, who, who knew back then? Well, maybe Jack Craig. I mean, that's a, that's a name we have. Yeah. Uh, who was uh, who used to cover the sports media for the Boston Globe? Um, who knew when he started that this would become a twenty-four-seven feed? So yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I appreciate it, Ken Fieritz, and uh, we'll talk soon.
Okay, That's Ken Fang of Awful Announcing. I'll be back to wrap up the podcast and have the latest winners from the last two weeks in the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest in just a moment. If you really want to know what's going on in your community, you have to read the Daily Gazette. We don't take a side. We're right down the middle, and we're going to get to the truth. Our reporters and photographers are out in the field bringing you updates every minute with trust, accuracy, and integrity. From the first page to the last page, independent, probing journalism. We're finding out what's going on in the community where nobody else is covering. It's who we are. It's what we do. Take the Daily Gazette, the local voice of the Capital Region, along with you wherever you go. Want to win an Apple iPad? Download the app at either the Apple App Store or Google Play and enter the contest inside the app to win. Don't wait. The contest ends July 31st at midnight. The winner will be notified by the email used to enter the contest. Good luck! Hi, this is Mark Kestisher, the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio and college football on ESPN Radio. I grew up in Gilderland. I'm a proud member of the 518, and I go back over 30 years with Ken Schott. And when I'm not listening to his Schottsky Radio, I'm listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Here's Ken. Back to wrap up the podcast. The Week 18 winner in the Daily Gazette's auto racing contest was Lenora Tremura of Schenectady with 45 points. Lenora wins a $50 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, Lenora. The VIP winner was me with 30 points. The Week 19 winner in the Daily Gazette's auto racing contest was Jeff Thayer of Schenectady with 35 points. Jeff wins a $50 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, Jeff. The VIP winner was Scott Lucier of Capital Land GMC with 30 points. I'll announce the auto racing contest winner's name, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. To play, go to dailygazette.com and click on the auto racing contest banner. Just because COVID-19 mandates are easing, that does not mean you should relax. Be vigilant. If you have not gotten vaccinated or received a booster shot, please do so. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Party Shots podcast. I want to thank Mike McAdam and Ken Fang for coming on the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and threads at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Party Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette Company. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette Company. I'm Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.